Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is the Where's the last yeah, I mean, you really don't want to make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi everyone, welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 12. I hope everyone has had a nice week since we've last spoken. Um, my week was... it was fine. Some ups and some downs. I got some, like, really bad news, like, I think it was Wednesday, I got three pieces of not-so-great news, like, right after, one right after the other, um, but I had an okay week. Otherwise, I have been growing cilantro on my back porch, and it's going really well. Like, they've all just started to sprout, finally, my little cilantro baby plants, so that's really cool. I've been, like, doing time lapses and stuff since I have my fancy new phone now, um, which is good because it's, like, letting me, uh be away from my phone for a few hours which is you know like good for you as a person so I like didn't use my phone for like three hours today that's a lie actually because I did use my old phone to check Facebook and stuff but I wasn't on my main phone so I wasn't like tied to my text messages and my group chat and stuff so I like journaled for like an hour which is good for me um I finished Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season two this week but um I'm probably not gonna go on and watch season three or anything just because I have a lot of other reality TV to get to, and I I gave uh, Real Housewives its fair shake. Um, I definitely want to go back. I want to go back and watch Orange County um, and maybe have a guest on for that or something. So, But we'll give it a, a few more months or something before I go back to Real Housewives. And then I did find out today or yesterday or sometime this weekend that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Season 4 is finally on Netflix. So I'm very excited. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is like one of my favorite shows. But I didn't watch the fourth season while it was airing because I just wanted to like be able to binge everything all at once. And I also wanted to rewatch it from the beginning. So I'm just going to like, I decided that I was going to wait until the fourth season was on Netflix and just binge through everything all at once. So that's what I'm going to do. Also, I'm doing things a little bit differently today. Usually I have my notes on my laptop, but my laptop is dying, and for some reason, I I don't know, this is complicated. (laughs) I record on my husband's, like, desktop PC, and then I have my, like, Mac laptop that I have my notes on, and I have both of them on the desk because he has a very long desk. Um, And so that's, like, I read my notes off my laptop, and then I'm recording onto the desktop But my laptop is dying, and for some reason the desktop isn't connecting to the internet, so I'm reading my notes off my phone, and I'm going to see how this goes, but I actually think it's, it might be going better, so this might be how I do it from here on out. We'll see how it goes tonight. Um, So yeah, that was, that was my week this week. It's Sunday night, so I'm feeling good. I'm not like, (laughs) waited until the last second like I've tended to do. And if all goes according to plan, I'm going to binge watch the show for next week, like tomorrow and Tuesday, and maybe record early this week, and then record something else this weekend. That's the goal. We'll see if I stick to it. Send me some, like, kind encouragement. Kind. The keyword is kind. um, On my Instagram or my Facebook page or something. Alright, so today's episode is in honor of the new season of Queer Eye on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to, but like I mentioned, I have a lot of other stuff that I have to watch. But I've really enjoyed the first two seasons when I watched them when they came out, so I wanted to just kind of dip back in and watch the original version and talk about it. So we're doing Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Um, I remember when the show was airing, but I never really watched it, probably just because it was airing on Bravo, and that was definitely a channel that I did not watch at all as a child. I think the first time I watched Bravo purposefully was when I was in high school, and that was only at, like, the urging of my friend, and that was only Tabitha Takes Over. That was, like, the only show I would watch because I had no interest in Housewives or anything else at that time because, you know, I was too good for it back then. Um, but I didn't get a chance to see Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I was also pretty young when it first started airing. It started airing in 2003, so I probably, that would have been elementary school for me. So I think I would have been a little bit too young for the target audience, and it was just not a show that my parents watched because neither of them were super into reality TV at the time. I don't really think any of them 
are now. I know my dad watches MasterChef Junior. Maybe I should do that as an episode and have my dad on as a guest. Wouldn't that be funny? Maybe for Father's Day we can do MasterChef Junior and recap one of his favorite MasterChef Junior episodes. And then my mom watches um, Hoarders. I don't know if it's Hoarders or Hoarders Buried Alive because there are two of them, aren't they? And they're like the same exact title and the same exact concept but on different channels. She watches Hoarders. She watches the Hoarders Marathon that airs on Sunday mornings, and then that motivates her to get up and clean. So, you know, that's just a little bit of my background. That's where I'm coming from, just so you know. Um, So, yeah, I didn't watch the original version of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, but I have watched the Netflix version, just not the most recent season. But I hear it's really, really good, this most recent season, and there was, like, a fundraiser for one of the contestants or, you know, participants, whatever you want to call them. So yeah, let's get into the background. So it originally premiered on Bravo in July of 2003, and the final episode of the uh, original series aired in October of 2007. And so the concept was just to have a group of gay men, um, and they were nicknamed the Fab Five, and they were just to make over a straight man. They revamped his wardrobe, redecorated his house, they gave him advice on how to, like, look better via grooming, usually gave him a haircut and, like, you know, shaved him if he needed to be shaved, um, lifestyle, uh, food advice, they would teach him how to cook a meal. And the show did really, really well. It did result in one woman-oriented spinoff called Queer Eye for the Straight Girl, but that did not go over so well, and that uh, only ran for one season in 2005. So here's something that I did not know. I thought that this show was always called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and then the new version was called Queer Eye, just Queer Eye, and that's, like, I thought that's where we separated the two. But apparently in the original version, it was abbreviated to Queer Eye at the beginning of the third season so that anyone of any gender or sexual orientation could be made over. So yeah, I thought that that was the whole hook for the new version was that it was like wasn't limited just to straight guys and that's kind of how the first version of the show had been. But I guess I was wrong about that. So there you go. I'm learning something on my journey. Um, And then the episodes typically took place in New York. That's kind of where the Fab Five were stationed as opposed to, I think they were like in Atlanta, Georgia, just like around Georgia um, in the first two seasons. And I think in the third season, they're in what, St. Louis or something like that, Missouri. So yeah, it was taking place in New York, but they went to other places as well. And this is one of the episodes that we are recapping today is the one of the episodes where they're outside of New York and they're in a different locale, and we'll get to that. Um, in two of the episodes, the Fab Five made over gay men, and both of those episodes aired during Pride Month, so they aired during June, but it was like two different years. Um, and they also made over the Boston Red Sox, I think just like a few of the players, I don't think the entire Boston Red Sox team, but a couple of the Boston Red Sox players after they won the World Series in 2004. And then the netboot, uh, the Netflix reboot. God, did I just almost say netboot? I think I think I did. Um, the Netflix reboot <laughs> began airing in 2018, and it features the new Fab Five that I think we all know. If you're listening to this, I I'm sure you watch the new Queer Eye, and if you don't, you should because it's very good. Um, but the original Fab Five, we'll go through them. Um, there was Ted Allen, who was the food and wine connoisseur, who was like the expert on food and beverages and would teach the straight guys how to cook something. Kyan Douglas, who was the original Jonathan Van Ness. So he was the grooming guru and the expert on hair and grooming and personal hygiene, all that good stuff, would uh, give them makeovers. It was wonderful. Um, We have Tom Felicia, who is the design doctor, an expert on interior design and home organization. Um, Carson Kressley was the fashion savant, so he was the one who would give them the makeover and give them like a new wardrobe or a couple of new pieces. And then Jay Rodriguez was what was apparently originally called the culture vulture, which I don't think Karamo is now. I think he's just called like culture Um, Because now I know culture vulture as a term for white people who are like culturally appropriative and use like Native American headdresses or just other inappropriate things that they shouldn't be wearing um, and just like appropriate other cultures in general. So it's funny that he was apparently called the culture vulture because I don't think that's what they were going for. Um, So the show had very high ratings and received much critical acclaim, but it, of course, wasn't without controversy. I think, I'm sure there was backlash just in general of, like, these are 
five out gay men on you know mainstream television 2003 was I mean it doesn't seem like it was that long ago but it truly was a long time ago and things have changed a lot socially since then so it's kind of I mean this was I think very groundbreaking in general just as one of the first shows that featured like out gay people and some of the controversy that surrounded it was stereotyping but I think in general it they're shown as like diverse people and they're not too over the top or flamboyant like yes of course there's Carson who was always kind of sassy and flaming I guess but I don't know Ted was very subdued and in the episode that I watched I would say like Tom as well was just kind of like an average guy I mean none of them seemed too over the top other than Jay in one instance we'll go into and Carson so you know, I don't think that that controversy, it's, I would say, valid. But also in 2003, it would be much less valid of a claim. Just because there wasn't much representation in general. And I think that for the representation that was there, that was probably some of the better. So, um, in addition to the straight girl version, there were also several international versions of the show. I didn't go through all of them because there were quite a lot, but same concept, just with, in different languages. Um, and Comedy Central also started airing a parody version called Straight Plan for the Gay Man, where a group of straight dudes taught a gay guy how to be more, like, stereotypically straight. So, that's, you know, fine, I guess. Uh, toxic masculinity. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Maybe it's all very nice, but I something tells me it's probably not. This I don't know. When it did air, probably like 2006. Yeah, things weren't great back then. So let's jump right into the episode recap. Um, how did I pick this episode? I did kind of procrastinate. Like I said, I didn't procrastinate until the very last second because I am recording this on Sunday night instead of Monday night. Like literally I've been scrambling, you know, a few times to upload it right at midnight when it's supposed to drop. So, but I didn't start anything until yesterday, Saturday. So I kind of just picked the first available episode on Amazon that I did have to purchase. So I bought, bought this for $2. So, you know, it's what I give to my art. Um, and I just picked the first episode that was available. It was season four, episode one. When I was Googling and doing my research, you know, that I like to do, I did see a episode review, I guess, for this one. And I started to read it and then I promptly stopped because I didn't want it to like color my thoughts or anything. But it was basically like, mm, Queer Eyes lost its shine and it's not the show that it used to be. And I was like, no, I don't want to <laughs> recap an episode that's lost its shine. But I couldn't find seasons one through three, so sorry about it. Um, so yeah, this is season four, episode one, just titled on Amazon Max Clever. And this is an episode where they have left New York and it's based in Las Vegas. So it opens with some shots of Vegas. We see the Palms Hotel and immediately I think of Adrian Maloof and I say, hey girl, what's up? Um, and then we see shots of like the Fab Five in various Vegas situations. So Jay's dressed up as a showgirl, which is actually like a scene from later on in the episode. But all of the rest of the guys are just, I guess... They were shot for this opening scene. So one person's, I guess it's Tom, I think, is like dancing. And then Ted's in one of those fancy-ass wine cellars that have like the sommeliers in like the climbing rigs where they can rappel up and down the bottles, like the walls of wine bottles. Yeah, that looks really fun. I would like to do that. I don't drink though, so I couldn't really be a sommelier, but I would just be like the wine monkey where they're like, fetch the wine, and I would like scramble up the wall and like grab the wine bottle. I would do that. So we see the Fab Five. They're all in a white stretch limo. They're clinking their champagne glasses. It's all very fabulous because, you know, it's Vegas, baby. And they discuss the couple that they'll be making over. So this is one where it's not just focused on the man, but they're also going to like, you know, touch on the woman I guess the guy is like more of the focus he's more of the main protagonist but the event because typically all of these queer eye for the straight guy episodes are centered around like an event that they're preparing their mark I don't know their person for um so the event is Joni's it's yes they're Max and Joni so the event is Joni's art gallery opening 
or show, I guess, because it's not really a gallery. We'll go into it. So Max is a comedian slash magician slash animal trainer? Animal magician? Animal comedian? He uses animals in his act. Um, I don't know how to explain that. And Joni is an artist, like I mentioned, and she apparently also makes G-strings for the showgirls on the side, so that's kind of fun. Um, they have, wow, this is not correct. <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, this is so wrong. I meant to write, they have 75 doves, five dogs, two parrots, and two chickens. And that is what is correct. But what I wrote down was that they have 75 dogs, which is a lot of dogs. That's too many dogs. If you have 75 dogs, you should take a lot of them to a shelter and get some, some help because animal hoarding is a mental illness. This has been a PSA from Riley. Um, so Max is a daytime act. He's not a, a primetime headliner. So that's kind of their goal is they want to like reinvigorate his career and like make it so that he can be a primetime headliner kind of star. Um, Max and Joni have been married for 13 years. And we get a little cutaway of a talking head interview of Joni where she's talking about how much she loves Max and how sweet he is to her. It's very sweet. Like this whole episode, they, they really love each other. Like this couple, even though they've been married for so long, like the love is still there. But they also like, uh, I'm sure they fuck like rabbits because they cannot stop talking about it. Because Joni like talks about, in like the, this is the very first time we see this woman. She says that he has the schlong and it's like the size of her forearm. She like gestures and holds up her arm. So that's fun. Um, so Carson has a little quip that they need to transform Max's act from tragic to magic. And I immediately thought that he has not changed at all. He is still the exact same person that he is on RuPaul's Drag Race where he's a guest judge or like a reoccurring regular judge. He's not on every single episode. It's really weird how they do that. But yeah, um, he always has those little like sassy one-liners and I guess that's how he's always been. So we have the opening theme song and I was very pleasantly surprised to realize that it's the same theme song that they use in the Netflix show. So that's cute. All right, back into the episode. Um, the Fab Five pulls up to Max and Joni's house, and when they go, they like op Max opens the door, and they all like say like "hello," and they like pile in, and we get like a close-up zoom in on Max, um, and like a graphic in Chiron that like labels him as the straight guy, and it's like Max, straight guy, and I'm like, that's we, <laughs> I don't know, it's just like funny that that's his label. And they all pile into their house. Their house is fucking disgusting. This could be an episode of Hoarders Buried Alive. Like, it, there's piles of paper everywhere and there's animals. So you know it smells disgusting. I'm sure, like, the Fab Five had, like, a complete poker face. Like, oh, uh, uh, it's bad. Um, they all exclaim over all the little animals that are, like, running around. They have all these little tiny puppy dogs. Um, Jodie's art is all over the wall. Her artwork is very interesting, I will say. Um, her name is Joni Max, and you should definitely look her up because you can find her website pretty easily. I talk about it at the end when we do the Where Are They Now? But her artwork is very um, expressive and monochromatic. She tends to work in like monochromatic like tones where she's just using different tones of the same color. And she has like these different, like it's good, it's really interesting and it is captivating. Um, and she has this one that I absolutely love and I would actually like buy as a print where it's like a nude woman but she's laying down and you're like viewing her from the head down so you can kind of just like see the top of her like nose and you can see her breasts and you can see her like pelvic bones. It's actually very pretty. So that one I really like. But the rest of her art is a little bit, um, I, it's loud. Loud isn't probably the right word to describe it, but it's just like I wouldn't want to like have it in my dining room or my bedroom or anywhere that I want it to be like restful and have like relaxation and good digestion. Mm -hmm. um, one of their dogs is Dyed Mauve, which is cute. The dog is really pretty. It reminds me that my mom always has wanted a purple dog ever since, I don't know, this probably happened when I was like eight or nine, seven, eight, nine. I was pretty young, but my mom had this dream once uh, that she had a purple dog and she just like woke up saying, I want a purple dog. Or she saw a purple dog in her dream and she woke up saying that she wanted a purple dog. And then one time she was at my aunt's house and they had this book with like all these different dog breeds in it and she was flipping through it and she saw the dog from her dream but it wasn't purple. She just saw that breed but she didn't know what kind of breed it was so it was kind of interesting that she had like dreamed about that breed of dog dyed purple before she ever had it. So that's sidebar but the 
the dog, the purple dog, <laughs> reminded me of my mom's purple dream dog. Carson goes into their kitchen and opens a pot on the stove and there are live chickens sitting in the pot and that makes me wonder if that was staged by production because that's a little fucking ridiculous to have live chickens just hanging out in a pot on your stove. I don't believe it. Um, They go into the backyard which is sparse and full of items in disrepair. Uh, Tom opens a hot tub. (laughs) A hot tub. I kind of said that weird. Tom opens the hot tub and he says to everyone, oh look everybody, malaria, which is like a cute little... um, quip just because I know that that hot tub was pretty fucking disgusting. Max says that it was a fixer-upper that they never fixed up. And yeah, uh, it's just like they look around the backyard. It's pretty gross. Carson gets into a dove cage and starts freaking out, which is kind of funny. Also, one other thing I wanted to point out that I did find very amusing was that Joni has a large rubber rat and she's like, it's my welcome rat. And then one of the guys, I don't remember which one, was like, oh, does it, like, scare something away? And she's like, well, rat rhymes with Matt. So, I don't know. That's just, like, kind of the surrealist humor that I do appreciate. Um, and so then they're back inside. Joni's showing Carson some urns on the mantle. And she's like, oh, this is our little girl, Nippy, or something like that. And then this is so-and-so. And then Carson's like, wait, these are puppies? And Joni's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a bird poops on his jacket, so that's kind of fun. Also, at one point, Joni and Cayenne are talking about Cayenne? Is it Cayenne? Cayenne? Like, I just realized that Cayenne is like pepper, but it's K-Y-A-N. Cayenne? Like Ryan? Sorry. We'll see how this goes. Um, she tells Cayenne that the reason that she wears her hair like up in a bun or in a ponytail with like these large flowers stuck into it is because it makes people happy and she likes to see that. So Joni's like a very sensitive, just like a sweet person, a very like sensitive soul. Um, and apparently the last time she had been to a salon and like gotten her hair done professionally was 20 years ago. And she hasn't been back ever since because the last time she went, this, like, stylist told her that her hair was pretty crappy. Um, And that just, like, really hurt her feelings, so she never went back. So that's, like, really sad. Just to, like, have someone insult your hair and then you don't go, like, to get it done for another 20 years is just, like, I don't know, kind of broke my heart. We also see Max's dog, Jojo, um, dressed up in his, like, Elvis costume because Jojo is apparently an Elvis impersonator. And, yeah, I guess. Um, He has also, like, a remote-controlled tiny little car, like, the Jeeps that kids drive around in, but smaller because it's for one dog instead of a child. Um, And so they're just, like, they put this dog in this costume and stuck him in the car, and they're just, like, driving him around outside, and they're, like, watching the dog. So it's, it's kind of funny. So we have Max and Jay, and they're talking about Joni's opening, which is apparently that night. So this doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand the timeline. They come in. What time? I want to know what time of day they got there, what time of night this opening is, because they get a lot of shit done in one day. They make over his entire fucking house. This has to take place over a couple of days, right? And then they're just, like, editing it together and saying that it's one day. Because all of this shit sounds fucking impossible to me. But okay, we're going to go with the timeline that they say. It's, her opening is that night. They apparently don't have the venue because they mentioned like, oh, we need to find a venue. It's tonight. How do you have an opening planned if you don't have a venue until the day of? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Like, I know this is production. They planned it ahead. They had the venue, like, on lock for weeks ever since they cast Max and Joni for this season, I'm sure. But it's just ridiculous to me. And this is what, like, what they're about to do right here. So Max and Jay are talking about it. Jay wants to fly in, like, friends and family, I guess, for the opening. There's some, like, branded product placement, Spawn Con with Travelocity talking about how they can have this feature to, like, arrange different people's itineraries so they all arrive at the same time. Like, they're not booking the flights today. It's, what, 10 a.m.? 9 a.m. when they roll up at their house and they're like, hey, we just booked you a flight. Like, get to the airport, like, I don't know, in 30 minutes for your flight to fucking Las Vegas. Because one of this person is flying in from Biloxi. That's Mississippi. That's like a cross-country flight. I'm sure that's like a to Biloxi to Las Vegas. That's got to be like a three-hour flight at least. It just, I don't understand. I mean, I guess there's the time difference which might offset it a little bit. But I don't, I don't get how they... How do they expect us to believe that they're booking these plane tickets today? This was in 2005, right? I think it was 2005 or 2006. This is post 9-11. Airports didn't work like that anymore. Okay, right. 
We get a commercial break. They come back from the commercial break. I'm really upset about the whole Travelocity bullshit. Like this plane shit. Plane ticket, same day flight bullshit. Um, There's some like talking heads from Joni and their family and friends. So we have like a few different people who never get names. That's always just like. And also Joni doesn't really get a name because Joni is just wife. And so we get wife's sister, wife's friend. Then we also get a husband's friend. So Max isn't even named. It's kind of strange. But Max is never in these. Um, they're just talking about uh, their like redesign, not redesign, their makeover, like their the redesign that's going to happen on their face. That was dumb. Um, so Joni was just saying like she likes to wear flowers in her hair and um, Max's sister-in-law, I guess, because that's apparently how she's labeled. So I guess Joni's sister, um, Max's sister-in-law, and his friend talk about his beard. Uh, Joni's sister is afraid that it's going to catch on fire when he does his fire eating act because apparently that's also part of his act as a comedian slash magician slash animal showcase person. What's the name for that? I don't know. (laughs) Um, And then we get some shots of Tom like working on the like renovation just like him you know stripping stuff down. I feel so bad for the people who are doing this reno in what is allegedly a single day but I think must be over the course of at least two or three days because they have this is again a hoarder's house so they have to like get out all of this junk and like this carpet that I'm sure has years of like animal excrement and shit. Disgusting. Um, so Jay, Ted, and Kyan take, Kyan, again, I can't get over that name, take Max to Bally's, uh, the Jubilee show, which I googled because I had never heard of it, but, um, since, you know, we just did Girls Next Door last week and I spent a lot of time googling shit from Peep Show because I was very curious about Holly Madison's life after the, uh, the mansion and what she had been in, in that show, I learned that it was, like, similar to that. It's like a burlesque kind of show some of the women are topless that's kind of fun um so they take they take max to the the bally's the jubilee to talk to the people there i guess just to like inspire him to put more like glitz and glamour into his act um they see the bob mackie showgirl costumes which are very cool i only know of bob mackie's name because of rupaul's drag race specifically because of bianca del rio at one point they're like putting him in a headpiece just to like i don't know like have fun I guess like so that you you can say that you've been in like a Bob Mackie $20,000 fucking giant feather hairpiece um and so like as they're putting him in this Max goes I feel very queer and the lady who's just like doing this she's like not associated with the show she's the jubilee lady she just goes you're not (laughs) and it's just glossed over I only caught it because I had the subtitles on but that's definitely what happened so that's really fun so they're uh, on stage and they see the line of showgirls come out. They're like dancing across the stage. And then like at the end of the line, Jay comes out and he's decked out in his like partial showgirl drag. So he has on like the headpiece and like the shoulder floofs and he's in like a half beat. Like his lips are done. His eyes are done a little bit. He's got heels on, but he's also just wearing a t-shirt mm. and jeans. So it's a little bit weird, um, but it's, it's kind of fun. And, yeah, it's just to, like, inspire Max to put some more glitz into his show. So then Jay and Carson take Max. So Carson has just, like, appeared randomly because he wasn't there originally. But, you know, we're cutting this all together. Apparently it's over the course of one day. But, again, this is probably a different day. Um, So they take him to a custom costumer. Custom costumer. I said that really well, and I shouldn't have gone back and pointed it out. Um, they're gonna make him a custom suit for a show so we just get a little fun fact that flashes on screen we get some of these style tips so this is the one that I found most interesting black can look flat on stage so they do his suit in like midnight blue so I think it's gonna look very nice it's also gonna have like a leopard print like lining which sounds like it could be tacky but I think it's actually gonna look pretty amazing And then they surprise Max. They introduce him to a noted magician. His name is Lance Burton. Max immediately knows who he is. Knows who he is. He says that he's the classiest magician on the strip. I don't know about that, but they like... Also, before they meet, uh, Jay was like very awkwardly leading him into the room and he had his hands covering his eyes and Max just like didn't trust him and like wouldn't walk with him and it was really funny. 
So Lance says that he's seen a video of Max's work and that he's actually very naturally funny and he's on the right track. So Max does a trick for him. It's something with like fire to like make it seem like a napkin was burning, but it wasn't burned. All of these magic tricks that he does, like we see a few like from a, a few different people, him and Lance. All of the tricks are actually very good and it magic always just kind of kind of annoys me because I know it's just illusions and I really want to know the secret behind it but I also know if I know the secret behind the magic then like I won't give a shit about anything so I know that I should like keep it magical for the sake of my own enjoyment but I don't know it like kind of just annoys me like that so we see Max's trick and then Lance does some magic. He has like this card trick that he does. It's pretty cool. But I think I might have figured out how he did it. I think he like, I think there's some sleight of hand involved. And I think I might have like caught it on the second time around. So good for me. Um, and then he does some like other sleight of hand where he pulls like a hair off someone's jacket. But it's also, it's instead of like being a piece of hair, it's like a miniature rabbit figurine that seems very cumbersome. So it's just like magically conjure up to be in your hand so that's kind of cool um and then Lance says that he videotapes his show every single night and he watches the tape every single night which is obsessive like I get like committing to your act and like wanting to improve but every single night because he's a Vegas magician so he does this literally every single day and probably twice a day on Sundays or some shit like that's a lot of reviewing your own shit like mm. I don't even listen to my own podcast like every single time I put it out. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but still. So then Max meets up with Tom and Joni and they're at the World Market Center. Um, apparently this is some showcase place where you can only get in with a designer, so that's kind of cool. It's very large. It's like a huge skyscraper from like the outside that we see. So I wonder what it looks like on the inside. Is it like a mall? I wonder if there's a food court. So they go to a few different showrooms, just pick out furniture for their house. It's, it's whatever. It's fine. Um, Tom also explains how the showrooms here, they like have different artists that they represent. And they have their art like hung up on the walls in the showrooms. And I assume people can also buy the artwork there as well. So he like sets it up so that, you know, Joni can contact them and ask about getting her art hung up in the showroom. So that's good because one of the things that she said she struggled with was like the business aspect and she wasn't sure how she could like monetize her artwork. She's just more so focused on the art itself that she doesn't even know what to do when someone starts talking to her about business. So it's very nice that the guys are also trying to give her like practical tips on how to make money from her art. So then both Max and Joni go to the salon for their makeovers and they say bye because they won't see each other until tonight at Joni's opening. It'll be the first time they see each other after they get all of their makeovers done. Um, Max is told that they're going to cut his hair and his beard. Max has like pretty long curly hair. He kind of looks like, oh my god, I see his face so clearly but I genuinely have no idea what his name is. Wow, that's obnoxious. Anyway, who knows? I don't, I don't know his name. So Max looks like that guy. Um, and then um, Kyan also tells him at this point that they want Max to introduce Joni to support her and maybe do a little bit of magic to like, you know, get his act out there, but also like don't steal the show. So Joni just gets a trim and a blowout, but she looks fucking amazing after she gets her hair done. She actually, like, she has like very pretty bone structure or something. She's very naturally pretty, but her hair looks super, super good. Max gets his hair cut. Um, he looks good, but he looks very different. And he kind of gives me John Goodman vibes in the face. Like John Goodman, like post-recent weight loss kind of just facial structure. It's, I mean, it's, he's, he looks handsome. It's fine. Max goes to meet Ted at a restaurant to get the cooking lesson that they always get. So they uh, teach him how to make lamb flautas with artichoke guacamole. It's like instead of using avocados, they make it out of artichokes, which intrigues me. I would definitely try that. I bet it would be really good, but I also really love guacamole as it is. So I would be like, can I have both options? Can I have the artichoke mole and the guacamole? Um, also, this is a throwaway. Ted says the, the lamb shoulder is braised with mint cilantro and green onion, and that sounds fucking amazing. So they just like teach him how to make the little flautas. They like roll it up and deep fry it, and they said that they're going to give him a deep fryer, which is fucking sweet. Um, that's like the one thing that's always really cool about these shows that they will give you a ton of stuff. 
like after the home renovation which we'll get to in very shortly um but he gets a bunch of new appliances and i've just fuck i need like couches and stuff i really wish we could be on queer eye i think i think i think my husband would do very well being on queer eye not to say that he has terrible style or anything but i just think that you know a little bit of attention from the fab five would do him well but they're not anywhere near durham unfortunately if they were i would definitely give them a call so we get a little cutaway to commercial and back and then we have like the talking heads that's always like a little bit commercial thing but they're just like talking about like the pets that they all have and how they have so many and then Joni's like and because neither of us clean it's worse than you can imagine okay that's fucking disgusting neither of you guys clean at all you are grown adults and you have how many animals like that's just not sanitary for you or your animals I think that that was really glossed over the fact that they have I don't know five dogs and a bunch of birds and rabbits apparently too and they just don't clean up after their animals Ooh, they don't they need more than just like reality tv attention they need like someone to have a talk with them um so then we get a scene of Kyan and Ted with Max in the limo uh, discussing how he's going to introduce Joni because they want him to do his magic and Kyan tells him that they're also going to be inviting producers from his industry so that he can network as well. So this is going to be a great moment for both of them, a good opportunity for, for both Max and Joni. So they take him home to see the renovations that they've done and like the redesign. So they painted the exterior of the house blue, which I fucking love. Of course, I'm obsessed with anything blue, but it's like a very pretty, like light blue. It looks really good. Um, they allegedly, again, painted it all in one day, which they really lean into saying. So I feel like that has to be true, even if this show truly does take place over the course of several days. They they must have like only painted the house in one day because they couldn't just lie about all of that. They're also hawking like Benjamin Moore paint, so like that's the thing I guess is that it's supposed to be quick drying or some shit. They landscape the whole outside, which looks really good too. Um, the inside of the house is amazing; it's completely redone. All of the hoarder shit is out. I don't know what they did with all of that shit because it was like a ton of fucking papers and stuff. So. I'm sure no one went through and sorted all of that. I hope there was nothing important in the pile. Um, but it looks really, really good. It's very clean and neat. I hope they keep it clean, but they probably won't. It has all of these 50s accents, so it's very cute. Um, Tom asks Max if it feels like home, and he says, it'll feel like home when Joni comes home, which is so sweet. And it was just like, ugh, my heart. Um, also, Max talks about how they're going to have sex on the couch, and then, like, everyone applauds him. So, what What the fuck ever. Um, also, one thing that I did want to say, they go into, like, the kitchen, show him the updated kitchen. His fridge is fucking gorgeous, and it's also blue, and I want it. It's, like, a retro-style fridge. I don't want a retro-style fridge, necessarily, because I do want to be, like, bougie with a fridge that dispenses water and ice. Like, that's the height of luxury. Um, but the blue fridge is, like, a super cute touch. So Carson kind of brings Max out in his new outfits to show everyone. So he has a casual shoot, casual shoot, goodness, a casual suit for Joni's opening that night. Um, also, in this moment, he looks like Jeff Dunham. Not, and then I googled Jeff Dunham, and he didn't really look like Jeff Dunham, but something about his face in that moment reminded me of Jeff Dunham. Also, Jeff Dunham is like one celebrity that I can six degrees myself from separation with because can we call, okay rewind can we really call Jeff Dunham a, sub, a celebrity like especially in 2019 uh his work is mm, very un-PC it was like very of the Bush era and I don't think it does so well in like a post me too post like political correct kind of world but I guess he's probably still touring and putting out specials and stuff and mm. I've just like moved outside of his sphere of influence. But anyway, I can six degrees of separation myself away from Jeff Dunham in like, I don't know, four? Okay, so I ha I'm related to my mom and my mom's friend slash former co-worker's daughter was his former wife, like now ex-wife. So I think that's four degrees. So that's my connection to Jeff Dunham. There you go. Um, and then they show him in his new show costume that was apparently, again, all custom made in one single day. 
Um, it looks very good. It's that like midnight blue. It's got a dusting of rhinestones on the sleeve and like the lapel and the shoulder. Um, not too much, just like a little bit of touch just for that like Vegas bling. It looks really good. Um, it has the leopard print lining, which again, I think looks really nice, but I also quite like leopard print. Leopard print and blue too, I think is a, a nice combination together. That's just me. Of course, I would like leopard print and blue. Um, Carson's also given the dogs new costumes, so that's kind of cute. So he shows off, you know, Jojo and um, Lola. Why did I call her Lola? Her name is not Lola. I think it was like, her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. I think I saw the word showgirl and my brain just said Lola. That's funny. Um, so he shows off one dog that's in a blue showgirl costume, um, and she even has pasties, apparently. That's weird. You shouldn't put pasties on your dog. And then one of the guys asks, like, isn't that a boy dog? And Max says that Kitty works in drag, and Kitty's real name is Bruno. And then Ted says, no dog's gender identities were harmed in this production, which I can't tell if that's funny or kind of insensitive. So if you have an opinion one way or another, let me know. Jay goes to look for Gidget, which is the pink dog, and he's like, oh, I left her outside, and then he goes outside, and inside, like, he brings inside Kathy Griffin, randomly is there, <laughs> and she's carrying Gidget, so they brought Kathy Griffin in to critique his act and, like, give him pointers on how to improve, and so she's like, oh, do you mind, like, giving me a show, and Max is like, oh, yeah, of course not, and just, like, launches into it, like, no problem, no nerves, which I guess shows that he is a true professional because I'm I'm a performer, not, I mean, that feels weird to say because I haven't performed anything in, like, fucking years. Not for lack of trying, I have gone to some auditions, I just haven't gotten anywhere, but when I was in college, I was in a play, like, every single year, sometimes two plays a year, um, and I really loved always, like, doing performances, but I feel like if one of my fucking idols, or not even my idol, but someone who was in my industry who I at least respected as a professional walked in and was like, give me a show, like, I would be nervous as hell to just immediately launch into that. So he does it, and he does a pretty good job. Um, you know, we see a show. It's got magic. It's got a little bit of comedy, I guess. Um, it's got the animals just doing their thing. He pulls a rabbit out of a hat, which is fun. I do appreciate that. But he does make, like, a super weird fucking reference to President Clinton just keeps on coming. And I, uh, like, upon watching that, I was just like, this came out in 2005. I'm pretty sure it was 2005. Like, there hadn't been a President Clinton for a hot minute. <laughs> but um, it was weird. So then Kathy gives him his feedback. And that's, like, the first thing she says is that his references are dated, especially the President Clinton thing. So I felt very vindicated in that moment. And she goes on to say that he should either make his act like super squeaky clean and just like get booked for kids shows or he should go like full raunchy and totally lean into it. And I have a feeling that that's the way he decided to go if he decided to change his act at all because who knows. So Kathy leaves and then Carson gives him some clothes for Joni to wear as well. It's like in a Neiman Marcus bag so we don't see what it is. Um, Kyan gives him specific directions to like go clean shaven for the night and Max says that he will and they then he gives himself tanner because he's like, well, you'll be pale once you shave off your beard. Which I think is a dangerous thing to do. Just to give somebody self-tanner who's never used it before and tell them to use it on their face after they shaved their beard for the first time in 13 years. I think that that's probably not going to look good. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then like Max starts to get choked up. He starts thanking the Fab Five. And he specifically thanks them all for treating Joni so nicely, which is really sweet. And it's like very, the moment's very reminiscent of the current Netflix season because, again, I, I had never seen the original version and I thought the original version was like less heartfelt and less touching than the new version. The whole like shtick of the new Netflix version is like how it makes you want to cry in every fucking episode, like within the first five minutes of every fucking episode you want to cry. So, I mean, this wasn't exactly the same, but it was, like, really sweet, like, at the end. Especially because, like, Max and Joni really do love each other a lot, and you can tell that. So then we see the Fab Five. They all go back to their room at the Palms to, like, watch what happens on the TV. Like, in the Netflix version, they all, like, watch the event or whatever. It also reminds me of um, What Not to Wear, right? Because Clinton and Stacy. Um, that's their names. I'm pretty sure, right? Um, they watch the people. That, that is what's good about Queer Eye is that it is like, it's what not to wear. It's a home renovation show. It's a little bit of a cooking show. 
it's a little bit of like Ayana changed my life Ayanla I don't know how to say her name I'm sorry but like a life coaching show you know what I mean so that's fun so but okay so they go back to the room there's this stupid little skit that I just like wanted to point out because it happens but it's really dumb of like Carson is making out with a showgirl in in their room and then the guys like walk in on him and then like a little like label I don't know a little title screen comes up it's like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas but it's also very bad acting and he's like very obviously not making out with the showgirl and I can't tell if it's like purposeful bad acting or just acting that didn't wasn't executed well who knows so the guys watch Max as he's cleaning up the house a bit. He prepares dinner for Joni. Um, he goes to like shave his beard off and then he starts to not shave it all the way off. And Kyan's like screaming at the TV for him to shave it off. And then he does it. But I, I think he looks better with a little bit of scruff. I think he looked best when he was like at that halfway point where he had kind of cleaned up his edges a little bit. But like before he was had like shaved his beard all the way off. So I'm a little bit sad to see it go. Joni pulls up in a limo and Max goes out to greet her and she is very shocked by his makeover and says he looks young and then he shows her the renovated house and she's she's just really really happy she's overwhelmed she says it went from being the dumpiest house to being the grooviest house which is sweet um he serves her dinner that he made the little lamb flautas and the artichoke amole um and they're at their new dining room table they hadn't had a dining room table at all in their house previously and he puts down one of those big fucking stoneware guacamole bowls you know what i'm talking about the things that you can get like bigger mexican restaurants or big bowls that you can get at mexican restaurants i guess i've had them at small mexican restaurants too i don't know but he puts down the bowl with the artichoke amole and that and she's like oh no watch out i don't want to scratch the table so like all of the guys that have five watching kind of tease her about how they didn't give a fuck about their house before now so hopefully they've turned over a new leaf and then max give jo- gives Joni the dress that carson got for her and he just like pulls it out of the bag and it had been like crumpled into a ball and carson was like irritated she's like i told him to hang it up but luckily it's drapey fabric so it doesn't get wrinkled um also the guys left a one thousand dollar gift certificate to dick blick art supplies and then they make some like dick blick jokes which is kind of fun <laughs> Then Max talks to Joni about all of the people who are expected to be there and how it's going to be like their family and their friends and like art critics and stuff. But he's being like super encouraging because she's starting to get a little bit nervous and he's just like being very sweet and he's very enthusiastic and excited for her. And it's just like very sweet again. And then back with the Fab Five, Jay mentions that he arranged a special ride for Max to get to the venue early, I guess, to like set up for his like pre-show. Again, like... This was all supposedly the same day, but he has his entire, like, fucking magic show and, like, magic act set up that Joni is, like, a part of. They surely must have rehearsed this together, but I don't know when. Um, so the the special ride is, it's a mobile billboard. I don't know if you've ever seen those where it's, like, a little truck and then on the back of the truck is this skinny little, like, billboard, basically, and you can drive it around and you can see it. So it's a mobile billboard for, like, the Max Clever show. And that goes to pick him up and they said that like they got that for him and once he has his show established and it has you know a venue and a time and you know all that good stuff they'll update the billboard and then they can drive it around Vegas. That's nice. So then we go to the ghost bar at the Palms and that's the venue that they found apparently that day for Joni's show. Sure that sounds correct that they were just like hey we're gonna um just rent this out tonight for this art show we can do that right and the palms was like adrian adrian herself my girl adrian maloof was sitting there and she was like what's this for queer eye hell yeah guys do it (laughs) um so all of the art they have is just like hanging out amongst the tables and chairs also it's just very strange it's not I don't think it's a good venue for an art show also all of the lighting is super dim and like tinted because it's a fucking nightclub so you can't actually see the like true colors of the artwork it's not a good place that's why galleries have like white walls and a lot of light so that you can actually see what you're looking at on the walls. Carson also takes this moment to describe Joni's style as Salvador Dolly Parton, which is one, clever, and two, kind of accurate. It's not totally accurate, but it's like a little bit Americana and like a little bit acid trip, so I kind of like that. Um, People are starting to filter in. We see Joni's sister. I can't tell if it's the same one from like the talking heads or not, but 
whatever um all of the friends kind of comment on max's new look and his beard being gone ted says that he thinks losing the beard made him look younger maybe but i still like the beard and i just wanted to point that out that i like it uh there's also a guest there we don't go into who she is we just touch on her randomly she's got to be like Joni's mom or something she's kind of kooky like that too but she's there in like a dress that's made from playing cards that she stapled together herself and it reminds me of um Monique Hart on RuPaul's Drag Race her like playing card like ensemble that she made in her first challenge that she should have won yeah looked like that well Monique's was way better but it kind of looked like that um, so Max introduces Joni, so he's going to, like, do his magic trick and, like, take his moment to shine. So he has a bird of paradise flower, and he says that it's his and Joni's flower. But tonight it represents her artwork, and so he puts the flower in a box, and then he does some magic stuff, and then he, like, reveals, and, like, the box opens, and Joni is, like, crouched there, and she's holding the flower in her hand, and, yeah, everyone's, ooh, yay, gasp magic oh here's the artist so um but it does look very cool like it does it is magic <laughs> like it looked great on screen um Joni and Max they like walk around and they schmooze and the fab five as they watch you know they like give him props because he's being like very supportive and he's working the room with her and he's talking to people and introducing her to people and like kind of just showing her off as the artist and kind of just like emceeing the night and taking control so that she doesn't have to and so then at this point he also kind of like points out to the the balcony I guess of the nightclub and you can see the view of Las Vegas and he tells Joni that the view is beautiful but he wants to make it more beautiful for her so someone holds up a canvas and then the canvas drops down and reveals that the family is there so like all of these people that I guess got flown in that day <laughs> on Travelocity um, they all like are exclaiming and Joni goes over to like hug them and it's very very sweet and then a man named Jeff Kutash, I don't know why I wrote his name down, so Google him if you want. Um, he comes up to Max and says that he's opening a new show and then basically just like gives Max a, a spot in his show, like just right then and there, on the spot. And so of course I immediately was like, this is fake, like fake. Um, but then it immediately cuts back to the Fab Five and Ted asks like Jay, he's like, did you set that up? Did you get him a job? And Jay was like, well, I... I invited him to the show, but I didn't tell him to offer him a job, so I wonder if it was fake, but mm, I don't I don't trust reality TV, so I think there was some, like, behind-the-scenes producer that, like, did some arranging there. Um, Joni also meets someone from, like, the Las Vegas Art Museum, and she meets all these other gallerists who wants to show her work, and her work starts to get sold. We see little sold tags showing up on, like, her paintings, so it's going very well. And we have one last little speech of Max, basically, like, this happens in every single fucking Queer Eye for the Straight Guy episode, where they talk about, oh, yeah, this is an amazing experience, and I thank the Fab Five so much, and I really appreciate everything they've done for me. So he gives his speech, it's very sweet. Um, they also show a painting that apparently Joni has done of the Fab Five, and they reiterate that it's a work in progress, and she reveals it, and it's, like, a very well done, I mean maybe not completed but like you can see all of their faces like a portrait of all of them so when did she paint this this had to have like this this show must have taken place over the course of like a fucking week and she went home every night and she started to work on her painting right because there's no way that she did this in like the 45 minutes that she had before she left to go to the like the art show all right well that's the end um it was cute so where is everyone now? Where We'll start with a couple. So Max and Joni, um, I looked them up. They both have websites. Please look up their websites. It's like JoniMax.com and MaxClever.com. Their websites are both just so, so dated. And this show, again, came out in like 2005 or 2006. But these websites, like, which they surely must have updated I know for a fact they updated as recently as 2014 because I saw some articles from that time period on the website. It looks like it's like straight out of 1997, especially Max's, and it's really funny. So I clicked around on their websites a little bit. Um, on Joni's, you can see a lot of the paintings that were featured on the episode. So if you want to know some of the ones that I'm talking about, like especially the one that's like nude and blue or whatever that I think is just gorgeous, you can see those on her website. Um, she also has a very strange section on her website labeled Christmas. And there are these like really absurdist paintings of like, 
I don't know, disappointed Santa Claus and like the scream snowman. Um, but there's one of the Grinch who's like dressed in drag and the caption on the painting uses the T-slur, which I'm not going to say. And I just think it's inappropriate, but it is just very strange. And I don't think that Joni like, she's not a bad person. She doesn't seem like a bad person. I just guess she doesn't understand the T-slur is not okay to use. Okay, so that's weird. Um, I also found an article, oh, well, actually before that, um, also on her website, which I found very interesting, there was a picture of her in front of one of her paintings, and the picture noted something about another art gallery opening or something that she had done, and that had coincided with an episode of Miami Inc. that she had been on in 2007, which I find very interesting just because these people don't come across as, like, attention seekers but they were on two different reality shows very interesting to me I just think it's also interesting there are a lot of people that go they just make it a career of being on reality tv like Hottie from Flavor of Love was on Blind Date before she was ever on Flavor of Love and I think she was on a bunch of other reality shows too that like were just never big I want to talk about Flavor of Love soon. Okay, I'll go ahead and reveal it now. Next week, if all goes according to plan, we're going to do Strange Love, which is like the precursor to Flavor of Love. So we'll do Strange Love, and then we'll like, you know, give Flavor Flavor a break for a few more weeks, and then we'll do Flavor of Love Season 1. So that'll be very exciting. Um, the other thing I just wanted to say about Joni and Max was um, Joni apparently donated some of her paintings to a mental health facility in 2014. Um, and this is also a facility where she herself had received treatment for depression, so that's very sweet that she was like giving back to her community in that way. There was also a Facebook page for Jojo the dog, um, the dog that was like the Elvis impersonator, but that hadn't been updated since like September of 2012. So as far as I know, Jojo the dog might have uh, passed on. So where are they now? The Fab Five, um, starting with Ted Allen. Of course, I think everyone knows him from like the Food Network. I knew him from Chopped. I didn't know that he was on Queer Eye because I just like I was obsessed with Chopped in college. Even now, I like I loved me some Chopped. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that he had been on Queer Eye before that. He also did uh, Iron Chef, and he's done you know a ton of other stuff on Food Network. Um, he was a guest judge on Bravo's Top Chef. He has a couple of cookbooks that he wrote. Also a fun fact, um, Anthony from the new season of Queer Eye was his personal assistant for a few years before he was on um, New Queer Eye. So he learned what he learned from his like spiritual predecessor. So Kyan Douglas, his real name is Hugh Edward Douglas Jr. I wonder where he gets the Kyan from. In 2004, he, he published a book called Beautified, which was a book on grooming for women. Grooming is such a weird word to say, like, in reference to human beings and not animals. Um, he also became a spokesperson for L'Oreal. In 2009, he took over as host of 10 Years Younger on TLC, and he's also been featured on Rachel Ray a few times as the fashion and style expert. Tom Felicia was um, a host of several shows on the Style Network. Um, he has a book called Tom Felicia Style, so, you know, very straightforward. Uh, he's also on a new Bravo show now called Get a Room with Carson and Tom, which also stars Carson Cressley. Carson probably had the biggest career after Queer Eye. Like, he's, I think, the one who's done the most. Uh, Ted Allen, I mean, like, he's well-known in his, like, niche, but he kind of just, like, sticks to the food stuff, whereas Carson is more of, like, an all-purpose kind of presenter and showman-type person. So he judged a Miss Universe pageant in 2005. Um, he hosted a show on Lifetime called How to Look Good Naked. In 2008, he was the Master of Ceremonies at Cindy Lauper's True Colors Tour, in 2011, he had his own show on the OWN Network called Carson Nation. He did Dancing with the Stars in 2011 as well. And then How I Know Him, like, most well. Is that correct? I don't think so. That wasn't proper English. Um, how I Know Him Best. God, I can't think. Um, how I Know Him Best was uh, as a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. And, uh, again, he's also with Tom on the Get a Room show on Bravo. He did some acting in a few movies. He was in The Perfect Man with Heather Locklear and Hilary Duff, my queen Hilary. Um, he was also in A Year Without Santa Claus. He has a fashion line called Perfect. Also, he apparently is a respected horse show exhibitor and has like American saddle horses or something like that. So that's kind of interesting. 
And then Jay Rodriguez, um, what was kind of cool during one of the filming production breaks for Clear Eye, he was in uh, the producers. Like he went to Broadway and like started like in the producers. He was in Rent prior to being on Clear Eye. Um, he was also had a role in the movie, but he didn't play the same role in the movie that he did on stage. That's kind of cool. He's done some TV hosting. Um, he was on Animal Planet's Groomer Has It. He was on Ultimate Style on the Style Network. Um, he was also on some non-reality shows. He did Bones, Nip Tuck. He did a couple episodes of How I Met Your Mother. He was on Grey's Anatomy. He also apparently had an album. I couldn't find it. I mean, I just searched Spotify. But if you're not on Spotify, then, like, I don't, I don't care to try and find you. Um, he did release a single from that album in 2007. Allegedly. So does it hold up? Um, I mean, watching it now, I would say that it does in general. There are probably some other episodes, especially the earlier episodes, that are maybe a little bit problematic or say some stuff or, like, rely maybe on some, like, gay stereotypes. But there was nothing that I noticed specifically just from this one episode that I watched. But I would say that if you're looking, like, just to watch it, why not just watch the new version? Like, it's updated, it's fresher, it's a more diverse cast. Um, I don't know. I just, I feel like just watch the new version instead because it's like a more diverse cast. It's a more diverse people that they're helping. And I feel like it, it's a little bit more heartful than the original version. Although the original version, I was like very happy to learn, at least in this episode, did have a lot of heart. So I did appreciate that. All right, guys. Well, I think that's about it for episode 12. Thank you so much again for joining me. If you like this podcast, please give it a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever else you want. Um, I know I say this every week, but I've heard on other podcasts, because I don't truly know anything about what I'm doing here, that that really helps on like getting other people to see the, the show in iTunes reviews or iTunes charts and stuff. So that would mean a lot to me if... Um, if you could write me a review it doesn't have to be very long and I do check for new reviews like every other day and there are never any so it would make me happy (laughs) um you can find me on Facebook at snapback to reality podcast on Instagram at snapback to reality pod and you can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com until next time bye you guys